Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. And uh, I began something last Sunday uh, entitled, So Great Salvation. And um, we dealt with last week the fact that Jesus was born to die. Uh, he said over and over in the scriptures and, and, and uh, uh, what that uh, meant to you and I, what, how the death of Jesus was described in the scripture, what it was described as. Not the, the, what happened on the cross, but meaning physically, but how the, that, the, the death of Jesus was a propitiation. It was a substitution. And uh, we went through those four different things and, of course, you can go online and see that or uh, uh, get the podcast or however you need to do it. But, uh, so, but today we want to deal with the fact, of course, of the resurrection. And uh, one man said this way. He said, the resurrection of Christ is the foundation stone of Christianity. It's the crowning proof that the ransom paid for sinners was accepted. And we'll say this even as we move further into this message. If you take the resurrection out of the gospel, you have no gospel. If you take the resurrection out of Paul's message, there's no message. And uh, Hebrews 2 and verse 3, the apostle, well, the writer of Hebrews says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect such great salvation? Well, that word great, it means so vast, so great, so mighty. Our salvation is so vast because of all that it covers. It affects every part of our life, right? That's why it's so vast. It's so great because of its great cost. Our salvation was not really free. It was extremely expensive. uh, I taught last week, the Apostle Peter wrote, and he said, you need to remember that you were not redeemed with natural things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lamb of God. And that word redeemed there is ransom. There's four words for redemption in the New Testament. The one that he used there was ransom. In other words, you you were being held captive to sin, You're being held hostage to sin by the devil, by the thief, by the liar, by the murderer. And there had to be such a high price paid that only one person could pay it. And it had to be sinless, spotless blood. It had to be the blood of the Son of God. And Jesus came into the sin market, the slave market of the world and walked among men and became a man and lived a perfectly spotless, sinless life. And when the time came, he went and paid the highest price that had to be paid and ransomed us from sin. Amen. Because I couldn't do it myself. I couldn't free myself. A slave can't free a slave. 
Somebody in bondage can't free another person in bondage. Amen. But when one came that never knew slavery and never knew bondage and never knew what it was like to be captive to sin, he held the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he unlocked the prison doors, and all we had to do was walk out. Aren't you glad? Glory be to God. So it was expensive. It cost somebody everything. Amen. It's so mighty because of what it accomplished. It's so mighty because of what it accomplished. Well, what did it accomplish? It made you a brand new creature. Amen. Hallelujah. It did what nothing else could ever do. You can go to every self-help seminar. You can go to every 12-step program. You can go to every, every, every positive thinking seminar. And I'm not saying those things are bad, but you can leave with a lot of ideas and you can leave with a lot of inspiration, but you will not ever leave truly changed until you encounter the blood of Jesus. And when you encounter the blood of Jesus, something happens, something's accomplished in you that no other power could accomplish. Not only do you have tools to help you cope, you have been delivered, you have been set free, you have been made brand new, you're no longer what you were, you're a new creature in Christ. Glory to God. Amen. It's so mighty because of what it accomplished. Hallelujah. There are people in this room today, you came to Jesus with whatever your life was. I've got people in here that were addicts. I've got people that were meth addicts, people that were heroin addicts, people that were alcoholics, people that were just messed up. Some of y'all were just messed up. Some of y'all are still just messed up. But it, the, the, point, the, the point is, the point is, when you had an encounter with the man Jesus Christ, everything changed. Old things were passed away and all things became new. Glory be to God. That's what it accomplished. That's what it accomplished. And it accomplished it through no effort of your own. It accomplished it with no help from you other than you believing that it could happen. Glory be to God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Y'all pardon me while I just shout a little bit. Glory be to God. Amen. Isn't that good? Mm. 1 Corinthians 15. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? Amen. So what we have to do is just point at the cross and tell people that's how much God loved you. Amen. We sang that song today and I can't help but cry when we sing it. It it talks about he was laid in darkness, but then it says the stone was rolled away. (laughs) His perfect love could not be overcome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, And that blood's still there. We said it this morning. It still speaks. That blood's still there. It's still saving. It's still healing. It's still redeeming. It's still delivering. It's still making new creatures out of people that mess their life up or people that need help. It's still there. Glory be to God. Amen. Amen. You cannot argue with a changed life. 
Amen. You cannot argue with somebody that was something and now they're not. You, amen. When, when you, and, and we're going to get into this, but hang on. When, when, when you read through the scripture, you know, you remember the story where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? Jesus raised him from the dead. You know, a guy been dead four days? No, dead. Here, here we go. Graveyard dead. He's in the grave. He's not laid out on the table. He didn't just die. They sent for Jesus and he spent three days out of town and came back on the fourth day and went to the tomb. He didn't go to the funeral home. He didn't go to the doctor's office. He went to the tomb. The man was in the tomb. He had been wrapped up, spiced up. Amen. Now he's in the tomb locked up. Is the stone over the, over the grave. I said, it's the stone over the grave. It's over the grave. And Jesus went up, and you remember what he said, Lazarus, come forth. Amen. And they rolled the stone away. And it says, he that was dead came forth wrapped hand and foot. And Jesus said, loose the man and let him go. Glory to God. You can't argue with that. Then a few weeks later, they had a dinner at Lazarus' house. And the Bible's quick to point out, and Lazarus, who was dead, <laughs> sat at the table with him. But, but here's something. The religious leaders got mad. They got upset. They wanted to kill Jesus. And it says, and they also took counsel how they might put Lazarus to death. Because many had believed on Jesus because he was raised from the dead. You can't argue with that. I was at his funeral. I saw him put in the ground. I saw him put the stone over the grave. And I saw him raised from the dead. You can't argue with that. I know how he used to be. He used to be worse than anybody in the town. And now his life has changed. There's no arguing with a changed life. Glory to God. Amen. People say, I want proof. I got proof. Change life. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel that I preached unto you, which you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, lest you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that, watch this, Christ died for our sins according to scriptures. He was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So Paul says, I delivered unto you first of all. Or this was first in order or the truth of primary importance. What was it? These three things. Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ rose again. Amen. All right. Christ died. Christ was buried, and Christ rose, rose, rose again. His death and his burial are in the Greek in what they call the aorist tense, A-O-R-I-S-T, aorist, and it means past tense, all right, the past tense. Christ did die, Christ was buried, but the, when it says he rose again, it's in the perfect present tense as an abiding power, meaning he did die, he was buried, but he is alive. 
Why? Because He rose from the dead. The Bible says over and over again, Paul said, I want to know Him in the fellowship of His suffering and in the power of His resurrection. Amen. So what does that mean? There's, a, there's an ability for you and I to live in the power that's outflowing from the resurrection. If you know people that are struggling with sin and struggling with living right and struggling with doing right and struggling with different things in their life, it's because they're not living in the present abiding power of the resurrection. Oh, glory. Amen. Matthew 28. So he said this was first in importance. Now we're going to read an account here. And of course this account is of the resurrection of Jesus. And it is uh, mentioned in all four Gospels. I chose Matthew's account because I just liked it best. Matthew 28 verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. Came Mary Magdalene the other Mary. To see the sepulcher. And behold, there was an earthquake. It's better to say there had been an earthquake. All right? For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. I guess so. And the angel answered and said to the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Go quickly, tell his disciples he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I've told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they began to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, all hail, and they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that, that they go into Galilee and there they shall see me. He is not here, for he has risen. Christianity is the only religion that bases its claim to acceptance on the resurrection of his founder. Hallelujah. You talk to almost any other religion and they say their founder will raise. Possibly, you know, somebody has been reincarnated. Amen. But the claim that we have to acceptance is the resurrection of our founder. For any other religion to base its claim on this doctrine would mean failure. Test any other religion by that claim and see. Just won't work. Now, obviously, the resurrection is vital. The scripture gives us some keys pertaining to the importance of the resurrection. Number one is this. It is fundamental to Christianity. It's fundamental to Christianity. We read the, the verses in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, verse 3 and 4, Paul said, I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, buried and rose again. So Christ died, Christ was buried, 
and Christ rose. Fundamental to Christianity. All right? Verse 12 of the same chapter says, Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, our preaching is vain and your faith is vain. All right? The Woos Bible says, Assuming that Christ has not been raised, then it follows that our preaching is futile and futile is your faith. Amen. There's two fundamental doctrines in in Christianity that the devil has fought harder than any other. And when I say fundamental, foundational. The virgin birth and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because if he wasn't born, he couldn't die, right? right? And be raised. But just by chance, he did raise, he was born. Well, he didn't raise, and if he didn't raise, he couldn't ascend to the Father, and he couldn't intercede for your, on your behalf. So he fights those doctrines, fundamental doctrines. Amen. And Paul says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, you and I, at the last trump, he says, then Christ didn't raise from the dead, and what you believe is futile. Amen. How many in here have experienced the power of God? You see, I, look, look, almost every hand raised. What's wrong with the rest of you? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Right? But, 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 but now, I'm, I know most of you that raised your hands. You're not playing games. You don't lie. You've experienced the power of God. Well, how, how have you experienced the power of God? Because we serve a risen Savior. So you can say by natural personal experience that serving God is not futile. Because God has met your needs. God has healed your body. God has saved you. God has saved your family. God has worked in your life. You know it's not futile to serve Him. So what does that prove to you? Jesus is alive. Isn't that good? Amen. The re- Hallelujah. The resurrection of Christ was not an add-on to Paul's gospel. It, it, it is what established or what gave existence to Paul's gospel. And what still gives existence to Paul's gospel. What still establishes it. The resurrection of Jesus Christ establishes what we believe. Amen. And see, here's the thing. People will say, well, prove to me that Jesus rose. Prove to me that there's a God. Listen, the Bible doesn't even try to prove to you that there's a God. It just tells us what happened. In the beginning, God. And then it tells us what He said and what He got. And everything it says He said and that He got is what we can still see today. Right? Paul preaching about Jesus, he said when he rose from the dead, he was seen by Cephas and then by the rest of the twelve and then he was seen by over 500 people individually and then last of all, he was seen by me as one born out of season or born out of time. And Paul wrote further on and he said the majority of those men are still alive today. Not today. When he was writing that. Right? But see, he wasn't trying to prove something. 
but he was saying he was bodily seen. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor, I've never seen Jesus with my eyes. Oh, but you see what he did for you. You, Right? If he did it and you didn't see him and you say he did it, then you're saying he's alive. Glory be to Jesus. It's fundamental to what we believe. If you remove the resurrection from the gospel, the message is gone. Notice Acts chapter 22. Hallelujah. I want to show you this, how this was fundamental. Or Acts 2, verse 22. Got my twos mixed up. Don't like that when I get my twos mixed up. (laughs) Okay, I know there's a little humor, very little, but (laughs) you give me a charity giggle anyway. Thank you, Rusty. <laughs> nobody can laugh like Rusty Shatterly. It is nobody. Well, Michelle. Michelle comes to real. I remember we were watching, we were watching uh, Keith Moore a couple years ago. I think it was Greater Faith Conference in, oh, no, no, uh, Branson. Y'all were in Branson. And he said something, and we knew that, that Dave and Michelle were there. He, he said something, and I heard Michelle laugh. I said, there. They're there, praise God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You have no trouble finding her around the house, do you, Dave? Yeah, yeah. I, I, Hallelujah. Somebody said, we don't laugh in our church. Well, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Acts 2.22 You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs that God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. But notice, who God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Verse 32 This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Acts chapter 4 and verse 10. Be it known unto you all and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. Belief in the resurrection was the faith of the early church. And here's the thing. Here's what they believe. If he said he would raise from the dead, and he did, then there's nothing he said that won't happen. That's why it's fundamental. It's foundational. It It was the faith of the early church. And when you have a strong faith that Jesus rose from the dead, then you have a strong faith that there's nothing Jesus can't do. Notice what it said. It said in Acts... It said God raised him up because it was not possible for him to be kept by the pains of death. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Acts chapter 3 verse 14. He says, but you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life. Whom, notice, God has raised from the dead. 
whereof we're witnesses. Because of the determination of those leaders, those religious leaders in Jerusalem to have Jesus crucified, the Bible says they became guilty of killing the prince of life. The word prince is a word that means author. It means originator. It speaks of the part that Jesus had in creation. John chapter 1 tells us that all things were created by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Proverbs talks to us about the pre-incarnate Christ who was called wisdom at that time. And it says, I, wisdom, was there beside you when you formed the world and when you created the earth and, and I helped you do these things. So it's talking about the, the, the Jesus that created all things. Jesus was, Jesus is the living word that spoke the worlds into existence. And through him, God breathed life into the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. They had killed this Jesus. They had crucified this Jesus. The very source of physical and spiritual life. They had killed him. They crucified him. They put him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. The author of life. But God raised him up. On the third day. Amen. Amen. He raised him from the dead. Well, what were the results of the resurrection? Let's go to Romans 1. The results of the resurrection. <clears throat> We've looked at the importance of the resurrection. What are the results of the resurrection? We have to look, first of all, how the results affected Jesus as it pertains to Jesus. Romans 1 and verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared, that's an important word, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness. Notice, notice how this declaration was. By the resurrection from the dead. By the resurrection from the dead. Hallelujah. Jesus was declared the Son of God. That word declared means marked off by boundaries. He was declared to be the Son of God or determined to be the Son of God. And notice what the Apostle Paul says, by the resurrection from the dead. That was the determining factor. That was what declared it. That was what marked him off as being the Son of God. Amen. You know, if you're in here and you're married and you wear a wedding ring, that ring does something. It marks you off. Amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's what it is. the Bible says, husband of one wife, all right? But, <laughs> so how many wives? Amen. Hallelujah. Anyway, that marks you off. Or it should. Is, is that right? That marks you off as married. Not single, married. Off the market, not available. Right? Dan 
is available. <laughs> you, you got that for us? If, 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 you would, if you would like more information, I got Handsome Dan. <laughs> so, there you go. Hallelujah. In any event, uh, if, you're, if you're watching online, that is not a toll-free number. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So we just marked Dan off. But it says that he was marked off. He was determined. He was declared to be the Son of God. Now, now think about this for a moment. In other instances in the Bible, in the Gospels, on at least two other incidences, God the Father Himself spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved Son. Right? He spoke with the audible voice of God. But yet it doesn't say in those verses that by that He was marked off or declared to be the Son of God. It says what proved it, what, what settled it forever and always that Jesus was the Son of God is that He rose from the dead. That's what marked it off. Amen. Hallelujah. The resurrection of Jesus declared him to be what he is, the Son of God. Had he remained in the grave, as other men have done, there would be no reason to place faith in him. But the empty tomb testifies to the godhood of Jesus, to the deity of Christ. Hallelujah. Now, how does this pertain to the believer? Romans 4. Romans 4. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Verse 23. It says, now, it was not written for his sake alone, for Abraham's sake alone, that it was imputed to him, meaning the righteousness of God. But for us also, to whom it, the righteousness of God, shall be imputed or granted or given or implanted, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. So the Son of God was delivered. Notice, it says He was delivered for our offenses. In other words, God didn't spare His only Son at that time. He handed Him over. Amen. He delivered Him up for us. Well, now why is that important? Because God being a covenant-keeping God, Isaac being a type and a figure in the shadow of Jesus, when God asked Abraham to take his son, his only son, he went and he delivered him up for God's purpose. Amen. That was the covenant. That was the moment that got the covenant of God into the earth. And when the time came for God to do his part of that covenant act, he followed through with it just like Abraham did. He delivered up his son. Amen. He handed him over. Hallelujah. Have you ever thought about that? 
that Jesus was willing to go, but God was willing to let him go. And delivered him up for us all. Hallelujah. And notice, he was delivered for our offenses. So God had to hand him over because of what we did. God had to deliver him over into the hands of wicked men for our offenses. But here's the good news. He was raised again for our justification. Oh, glory. Nothing less than the death of Christ on that cursed tree would do. Why? Because it was for our offenses. It was for our offenses. Calvary was essential because of a righteous God and His law. Nothing less than the atoning death of Christ could meet the need of sinful man. It was necessary because God is completely righteous. God is completely holy. God is completely just. Hallelujah. Jesus was raised from the dead to our justification. What that means is to show or regard as just, innocent, or free. He was raised from the dead to show us as just, as innocent and free. So God looks at the resurrected Christ sitting at His right hand and regards you as innocent and free. Glory be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Do do you see that? Glory to God. Notice Romans 8. Let's let's look at this. We We don't want to miss it. I added this early this morning. Verse 31. What shall we say then if, to those things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up. Now think about that for a moment. When you think about that, he delivered him. When someone delivers a package to your house, The truck pulls up, the person comes up, they have the package in their hands, and they deliver it. God delivered Jesus up for us all. Right? And, And notice what it's saying. It's saying in the context of what God wants to give you, and it says, if he would not stop at his son, there's nothing he won't give you because he delivered him up. Glory be to God. Amen. His resurrection was the validation of the sacrifice of his death. Amen. Our place of acceptance is in the risen Christ. That's my place of acceptance. The ungodly who believe on the Lord are declared righteous. They're they're given a new standing in the risen Christ. All the promises in the word of God center around the empty tomb. All of them center around the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Next. The resurrection assures us of an interceding high priest. Amen. Romans 8 and 34. Who is he that condemneth? 
It is Christ that died. But notice, it doesn't leave this out. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Whew. Folks, that's why Paul could start this chapter off by saying, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. There is no ground for condemnation because the same Christ who died for us is the one that's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. He will never condemn you because of what you did because He died for what you did and intercedes for you now at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. And, and that's why Paul was very bold. And he said, he said, look, whatever you're saying, he said, what you think is a very little matter to me. He said, because it's, it's, it's Christ that died for me. It's God that justified me. You understand? When the enemy comes into your life, he comes, he, his main tool is guilt and shame and condemnation. His main tool is where you missed it, where you failed, where you haven't this and you haven't that. And, but when you center everything around the, the resurrection and I have a man in the Godhead interceding for me that was willingly delivered up by his father, that went willfully to do the will of his father, that died for me knowing where I was anyway and then rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the father, his blood still speaks on the mercy seat and he is willing to save to the uttermost them that come to him by faith. Glory, how you can't walk in condemnation when that's your mindset. Amen. Hallelujah. As believers, our future in glory is guaranteed by two things. Number one, the perfect defeat of our enemy. He was perfectly defeated. Perfectly defeated. Amen. The Bible says there's the, the, the Bible says Jesus made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in the cross. In, in other words, it wasn't done in the back room. Jesus did it right out in the public in front of God and everybody. Amen. And just defeated the enemy perfectly. And we're it's guaranteed by the perfect defeat of our enemy and the perfect intercession of our advocate. The perfect intercession of our advocate. Hallelujah. Christ died. Christ arose. He ascended. And he intercedes for us. Amen. Hallelujah. That, that's, that's why when people minimize the humanity of Jesus... It, they, they don't realize it, but they're, they're, they're shortchanging themselves where intercession is concerned. Because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it says this. It says that the reason why we have such a great interceding high priest was because he can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. For he was tempted in all points like as are we, yet without sin. So when people say things like, well, I, I just don't know. Does God even care? He don't even know what I'm going through. He knows exactly what you're going through. He's been there. I said he's been there. Jesus was lied on. Amen. Jesus was tempted with sin. Jesus was done wrong. Jesus was called racial slurs. Amen. You name it. Jesus experienced it. That's why he can help you. 
I said, that's why he can help you. He was rejected. People turned on him. I just don't know what to do. That guy just stabbed me in the back. Well, there was one perfect man. His name was Jesus, and they killed him. What do you think they're going to do to you? That's tight, but it's right. You, you understand? <laughs> I just can't believe that guy talked to me. I know, but there were people that said to Jesus they'd go to death with him, and the moment that they took him, they ran and left him. I'll never deny you, Lord. Oh, I did it. Right? I mean, it's just... <laughs> Hallelujah. But he knows what you're dealing with. And he knows how to help you. Amen. Amen. Because he was delivered up for you. And, and that for you was just not to save you. It was to intercede for you. It was to be your representation in the Godhead. There was a far, if I can say it this way, there was a deeper purpose than just forgiving your sin. It was so you could have adequate help in time of need. And the book of Hebrews in the Greek says this. The King James says, He's able to secure them that come to Him. That word secure means to run to the aid of them speedily and at once. Amen. Glory to God. Because He's our perfect intercessor. Amen. Next. The resurrection of Jesus assures us of our own resurrection. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 14. For the love of Christ... Oh, that's 5. Knowing that He which raised up the Lord Jesus... Now notice, notice, knowing that He, God, the Father, that raised up the Lord Jesus, will raise us up also by Jesus and present us with you. He that raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and present us with you. Should we as believers die before the rapture of the church, death holds no terror for us. None. 1 Corinthians 15 says that the sting of death has been taken away. The pain of death has been taken away. Paul states that the resurrection of Christ from the dead guarantees the resurrection of the believer. Guarantees it. The same God that raised up Jesus from the dead will raise up all of his children one day. Hallelujah. The, the Apostle Paul said that's the hope of the church. He said that's the glorious hope of the church. When he was writing to the church in Thessalonica, he said, encourage one another with these words, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. The rapture of the church. Well, what precedes the rapture of the church is the catching away of the righteous dead. It said the dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Hallelujah. So they left this world with no pain. They left this world with no, no issues with death. They just fell asleep and woke up at home. See, you're not home going somewhere else. You're somewhere else going home. The Bible says we are strangers and pilgrims 
Well, what does that mean? It, 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 it doesn't mean, you know, you're weird. Don't look at anybody. It, it, that's not what it means. It, it, it means this world is not your home. The Bible says you're in it, but you're not of it. Is that right? One day I'm going home. Amen. One day I'm going home. But, 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 but till then, I'm going to do what he told me to do. Amen. I'm an ambassador of Christ. Glory to God. And whether I hear the trumpet sound or go by the way of the grave, either way, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, I'm going to be with Jesus. The moment I draw my last breath, I'm going to be at home with Jesus. When the trumpet sounds, I'm going to be at home with Jesus. But my, my absolute confidence is that he's going to raise me from the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the same God that raised his firstborn son will raise all of his children one day. Hallelujah. The next point, the resurrection, is it assures the world of a judgment day. Acts chapter 17 Acts 17 and verse 31. It says, well, let's read verse 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Now, notice the times of this ignorance he was talking about uh, was when, before the new covenant, of course. Men were ignorant. But it says now, Now when? Now after Jesus sacrificed himself and has ascended to the right hand of the Father. Notice what it says. He commandeth all men everywhere to repent. No repentance, no salvation. So someone will say, well, I'm a good person, but have you repented? Because just being a good person isn't what it's about. It said he commands all men everywhere to repent. Change your mind. Change your direction. Go a different way. Right? Then he goes on. He says, because he hath appointed a day. Now, we don't know that day. But there is a day in the which, in that day, he will judge the world in righteousness. Notice, By that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he's given assurance unto all men. Assurance of what? Assurance that this judgment day will come. By what proof? In that he raised him from the dead. So when someone says, well, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, then by virtue of that decision, then I have to believe there's a judgment for the world one day. Amen. And the world is not this blue marble. The world is the people in the world. The Bible contrasts the believer with, with the, the, the world 
and us not being in the world, light and darkness. Amen. For the sinner, repentance is imperative, vital, absolute. No option. All men everywhere to repent. Because God's appointed a day in which He'll judge the earth in righteousness. Now, th- th- this, this is where a lot of people misunderstand the judgment of God. And, and they, they, they say, if God is love, why would you talk about God judging? And they, they look at judgment like the world looks at judgment. Well, don't tell me I'm wrong. Or they look at it like this. Well, if, you, if I love you, I won't judge you. But see, the same, the same one that we talk about being 100% love said that you need to judge their fruits. That you need to look at people's lives and make a judgment about are they bringing forth righteous fruit. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. If I look at Jim and I go, I judge, that's a purple shirt. Well, you'd think he was nuts if he went, don't judge me. <laughs> hey, brother, it's a purple shirt. You judge me, it's lilac. It's not purple. <laughs> right? God will make a righteous judgment. Amen. That word just means a right judgment. Amen. Well, it just doesn't seem fair that a God of love would send people to hell, you know, when some of them don't even know what they were doing. Listen, God sends no one to hell. Decisions are made, decisions are being made today by people that you know and I know that are determining where they're going to spend eternity. And and one day, every person will stand before the righteous judge of all the earth and give that account. And it will be based on, why did you not believe in Jesus? He rose from the dead. You see? And it's righteous judgment. And people say, well, that's not fair. God is not fair. He's just. And you understand what I mean by that? Because we think fair. Little kids go, it's not fair. I don't know if you've ever heard that. (laughs) Not fair. Well, what what do you mean it's not fair? What they generally mean is I'm not getting my way. But if you're just, think about this for a moment. If you tell a child, the only way you're going to get to go to that birthday party, the only way, everybody say the only way, the only way is you get in there and clean up your room in the next 30 minutes. If you get it cleaned up, you can go to the party. Birthday party. That kind of party. Yeah. <laughs> right? Cake and ice cream, right? All right. Well, then the child, the child him hauls around and doesn't do it, and the 30 minutes is over, and you go, okay, you can't go. Oh, I'll do it now. No, it's too late. It's not fair. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. But is it just? Is it just? It is just. Why? You gave them an option. Could they have went to the party? What'd they have to do? Clean the room. 
Can everybody in the world go to heaven when they die? Everybody. Yes. What do they got to do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all you got to do. Is everybody going to do that? No. They're not. The Bible says they're not. But just because everybody's not going to do it does not mean that all men everywhere don't have to repent and that we don't have the responsibility to let people know how much God loves them, how much He wants to do for them, but also to understand that if you don't make the decision to believe in the risen Christ, there's coming a day you're going to stand before Him. Amen. See, and understand this, that's not a threat. That's an absolute reality. And, and it's the greatest message of love you could ever hear. Because God sent someone in your path at some point to tell you how much God loved you. Amen. And, and why did he do that? So that you would not spend your life eternally separated from him. God had an eternal purpose for saving you. And it was to save your life physically and to save your life spiritually forever. Hallelujah. Do you see that? The day is coming and, and, and there will be no, no escape from it. God guaranteed this to all by the fact that he raised Jesus from among the dead. Amen. The fact that God raised Jesus from the dead proves he's deity. Proves that his teachings are true and it proves he'll be the judge and he will judge in righteousness. See, because let me, let me start wrapping this up with this. Because God, God doesn't judge or deal with things on a curve. You've heard me say that before. But this is so important that you get this. Because uh, I've run into people before. I remember one time I was talking to a lady. And she was talking to me about healing. She wanted me to believe with her for her healing. And in the midst of that conversation, she said, well, you know, God ought to heal me. And this was just the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me. I said, well, dear sister, I said, why should God heal you? And she looked at me and she said, because I keep the Ten Commandments. I said, wrong reason. God doesn't heal you because you keep the Ten Commandments. You cannot keep enough commandments to get God to heal you. Amen. I mean, if I do everything right, right. Paul said you could have faith that move mountains. That you could give your body to be burned. Give everything you had away. And, and, and he said, if you're not walking in love, none of that pleases God. Amen. So, so you, you understand what I mean? So did God want to heal that woman? Yes, but not because she kept the Ten Commandments. Right. Because he loved her. Right. right? She couldn't get a hold of the fact that you just got to come to God because he loves you. And believe he'll heal you because he loves you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that good behavior should be rewarded. But I don't, try to, I, don't, I don't try to reward my child just when they do something good. I try to make that reward a pro, uh, uh, an ongoing thing. I want them to know all the time, I'm pleased with you. I'm pleased with you. Even when you do something wrong, I'm pleased with you. 
Glory to God. Because I don't want them thinking, well, you know, if, if I act really good for the next two weeks, then dad will buy me that bike or dad will buy me this or dad will buy me that. And what do they never learn? They never learn, they never learn that I love them regardless. Amen. But life will just go a lot better if you just do right. So, so, so you understand? God doesn't look at you and say, well, you know, let, let me see how many times did you, uh, in the last hour, how many times did you get upset? Now, your healing promise is docked 14 points now. <laughs> Folks, settle this. No one in here deserved to be saved. If a person thinks they deserved it, they've got bigger problems. No one deserved to be saved. No one deserved to be healed. No one deserved to be delivered. God didn't look at you and say, I just really like you and you're really special to me, so I'm going to deliver you. We all met Jesus at the foot of the cross. And the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Nobody's bigger, nobody's smaller, nobody's greater, nobody's lesser. And the same blood that forgave the greatest sin forgave the smallest sin. But here's the problem. That's only in our mind. There's no great sin and small sin to God. It's just sin. And that's why one drop of the blood of Calvary can forgive it and cleanse it and wash it and deliver you of it completely. Isn't that great? So you want to know how to never be concerned about Judgment Day? Repent. Get saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll be saved. You'll be saved. Amen? Hallelujah. Do you believe God this morning? Glory to God. Well, if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning.